Amen. Well, y'all can have a seat. Uh, grateful for those who led worship. Grateful for everyone who is here who's had a part. And uh, we are going to jump right into uh, week three of this series that we've been calling, Will God Still Love Me If? And in this series, we have been talking about how there's different moments, there's different uh, experiences that we can have uh, that if we are being honest, uh, it makes us kind of question uh, if God still loves us. And uh, this does not make you a bad Christian, does not make you a weak Christian, it makes you a normal Christian. Um, because if you've been with us these past few weeks, you saw, or we saw in the first week, uh, that we, we saw that a woman who was caught in sin, a woman who was caught in her own mistakes, uh, that, that she uh, was told that she was not worthy. So we saw that uh, when we're caught in our own mistakes, when we're caught in our sin, that can sometimes lead us to question uh, if God still loves us. It leads us to question, if I have done this, uh, if I've done this bad thing, will God still love me? And then last week, we talked about our emotional health, and we talked about how everyone goes through things that will, uh, that will cause you to have some intense emotions. And last week, we saw two sisters who... Uh, we're going through a loss, and what we talked about was typically during a loss, that is when uh, most of the intense uh, emotions happen, right? Uh, that when we lose someone, when we lose someone that we care about or that we love, uh, that often triggers us and triggers some pretty intense emotions. And we talked about that we all run to something or we run to someone, and we talked about uh, is that person God? Is God the one you go to when your emotions leave you drained? When your emotions leave you torn up, beaten up, do you go to God? And so in those two weeks, what we kind of saw was that there are things that we can do, that we choose to do or not to do, that kind of puts us in this place of questioning, of, of, of questioning God's love. There are things that we do that causes us to go there. And tonight we're going to kind of shift gears a little bit. Tonight we're going to talk about something that uh, that actually happens to us, things that other people do uh, that might lead us to wonder, might lead us to question if God still loves us. And so what we're going to talk about tonight is the experience of bullying, okay? Now, this is not a school special. I'm not going to give you a lecture on don't bully. You shouldn't do that because that's not what Jesus would do. But what I want to talk about tonight, what we're going to see tonight is that Jesus experienced the exact same thing. And what, we, and what we can see with Jesus' example is how we can get through bullying, is how we can overcome that. Because what I know is that most of us know what it's like to be bullied. And some of us even know what it's like to bully other people. So before we start, so let me give you some, just, just, some, just some little statistics of how significant bullying is. And this, is, this kind of gives me... A perspective of why to talk about this because this is what I know is that just because you're a Christian does not mean that you won't be bullied in your life. Just because you're a Christian does not mean you will bully somebody else. So let's just all be on the same playing ground tonight, okay? Because I've been in both places. I've been in the camp of being bullied and I've been in the camp of bullying somebody. But let me just share with you some, some, some statistics of how significant this is. So according to a study in 2019, one out of five students are bullied. 41% of students live in bullying. In other words, they think if, if it's happened once, it will happen again. So think about that for a moment. That 
when someone is bullied, they go to a place of, well, what's going to happen again? 13% are made fun of, called names, or insulted. 13% experience rumors or gossip about them. 5% are pushed, shoved, tripped, or spit on. And 5% are excluded from activities intentionally. And what we've seen uh, over the past several years is that bullying is not just a physical face-to-face thing. What we've seen, in, in my teachers, you know this, uh, we have entered to, into the time of cyberbullying. Because of social media, that has become a thing now. So 49.8% of, of, of 9 to 12-year-olds said they were exper- that they experienced bullying at school. And 14.5% experience bullying online. And then another study said, among students 12 to 18 years old, which is a lot of you guys, 15% were bullied online or by text. So what we know is that bullying is not just a simple saying a bad thing about somebody else. It, it, it has taken on new shapes. And like I said, I know what it's like to be on both sides of this. I know what it's like to be on the bullied side. I know what it's like to be on the bullying side, okay? And here's what I've also realized, that uh, bullying is not just a student thing. Like, it happens as adults, too. I've seen that, okay? Uh, like I said last week, I, I, I work with uh, people as a therapist, and I, I, I've sat across people, and... In meetings, who have like bullied the person right next to them, I'm like, what in the world? You're grown adults, act like it, okay? Like one of my goals, whenever I create messages, uh, especially in these moments right now, I try to write and and speak in a way that I can catch the attention of the students, but also catch the attention of the adults too, because I want everyone here to experience Jesus. And so, what we're gonna see tonight is that Jesus experienced bullying too, but he gave us a way to get through it. So go ahead, in your Bibles, go ahead and make your way to Luke chapter 4. And if you're using one of our Bibles here, that is page 484. And if you're joining us online, Take time right now to find the Bible because what we believe is that God's word can speak no matter where you are, whether you're in church or out of church. So find a Bible because we want you guys to experience God's word as well. Okay, so we're going to be in Luke chapter four tonight and we're going to spend time in verses one through 13. But to give you a setup of what's going on here, because here in a moment we're going to read verses three through 13. So to give you a setup of what's going on here, Jesus, uh, if you read, uh, is led to the wilderness. He's, he's full of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit leads him to the wilderness. And while he's there, Satan tempts him. He tests him. And he bullies him. So what we see is that after Jesus, and on top of being led to the wilderness, he has fasted from food for 40 days. Now, some of y'all can't go an hour without food, okay? That's me, okay? I'll, I'll, I'll admit that. I am thick and proud of it, okay? Uh, and next week, Becca's making me go on a diet. Uh, so you best believe that this week I'm eating everything, okay? 
Dairy Queen every night. I mean, I'm just saying. Okay, uh, so you can imagine 40 days of no food, and she's not even here right now. That's awesome. Uh, I timed that perfectly. If you're watching online, honey, I love you. Um, and so you can imagine after 40 days, Jesus is pretty hungry. He's pretty famished. Because one thing that we talked about last week was that Jesus is, yes, he is God, and we can focus so much on that that we sometimes lose sight that he was also a man. He was just like you and I. So if you and I are hungry after an hour, can you only imagine what it would be like 40 days? Like he is starving. He is at a very difficult place, and that's when Satan steps in. Because this is what Satan does. Just to give you a little insight into how he works, he'll wait until you're at your weakest point to step in. He will wait until you are at your breaking point to do his work in you. And Jesus knew this. Jesus experienced this. So before we go any further, check out the, def- the definition of bullying. It should be on the screen. The definition of bullying is to seek to harm, intimidate, or coerce. So that is the definition of bullying. And we're going to come back to that at the end. But let's read through verses 3 through 13. Because tonight, all I have for you is one takeaway, okay? Uh, so it's going to be short and sweet, but one time over here. But let's read verses 3 through 13 together in Luke chapter 4. And it says this, The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all of their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Verse 9, The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourself down there, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. So let me just give you the first and only takeaway tonight. You ready for it? That's the first thing on your notes. Takeaway number one, know God's word. Pretty simple. Know God's word. If you notice when we were going through this, every time that Satan tempted Jesus, he had a response. He had a biblical response ready to go. That every time Satan tried to intimidate him or coerce him into proving that he was the son of God, Jesus threw the word of God right back at him. So, really quickly, and this is your notes because this is so cool. Um, I say this all the time, but it's so cool how the Old Testament connects to the New Testament. And sometimes we can kind of lose sight of that, but it's so cool. So check out this. So, really quickly, let's go back down through the different responses of Jesus and see where it connects to the Old Testament. So, Jesus' response in verse 4 
You can see that in Deuteronomy 8, chapter 3, which says, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So there's Jesus using what was said in Deuteronomy chapter 8 in this moment. In verse 8 of Luke chapter 4, you see Jesus giving another response. In that response, you can see in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13, which says, Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. So again, Jesus... He's on to something here. And if you notice how it's written in our, in, in our Bibles here, every time that Jesus shared a verse with Satan, he began it the same way. It is written. Meaning that God had already ordained these words to be spoken. So Jesus wasn't making up something new. He wasn't saying, oh, hey, here's this brand new idea. No, he's saying it is written, meaning it's already been said. But in case you missed it, let me tell you again about it. And then in verse 10 of Luke chapter 4, sorry, no, verse, verse 12, when Jesus said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. If you look in Deuteronomy 6, verse 16, it says in Deuteronomy, do not put the Lord your God to the test as you did at Manasseh. But here's also something really, something really interesting. If you uh, look, because what we can see by this is that Satan is persistent. Like he is not a good loser. So if he loses, he will not just stop. He will not just say, oh, well, <laughs> they, they've given a lot to Jesus, so I, I, I can't do anything anymore. No, he's not going to do up like that. So, so Satan never gave up. But if you notice, in Satan's uh, last attempt to get Jesus to, uh, to, to prove who he was, if you go back to verses uh, 10 through 11, you even see Satan using the word of God. Because when Satan says, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. If you go to Psalms 91, verse 11, you'll find these same words. So even Satan, even the enemy, even the one that we are always teaching you to avoid, right? Like in, in, in church, we tell you to avoid the devil, right? To avoid Satan, to avoid the enemy. So even the enemy knew God's word. And you know what, what, what's, what's really, really sad? And I'm going to put myself in this category, okay? There are some Christians who know less of God's word than Satan does. Think about that for a moment. But there are some people out there who, who, who claim to be a Christian, but if you were to ask them, hey, tell me a verse, they'll draw a blank. Or if you say, hey, tell me a verse besides John 3.16, that's when they get in trouble, right? So I want to ask you this question. It's next thing on your notes. Do you know God's word? Do you know God's word? And on your notes, you see there's a yes or no. And I want to challenge you to be honest about this. Because as we see 
Jesus is showing us how important it is to know God's word. It's really easy to know God's word when we get the notifications on version, right? And listen, I'm not knocking that, okay? I love that. I love finding the cool images because they're so much more smarter than me, okay? So I love finding the cool images. I love finding, like, you know, like the, the people in the background and, like, the picture, like, matching the verse. It's like, oh, my gosh, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so smart, right? But let me ask you this. If all that extra was gone, could you still post scripture on your social media? If that was no longer an option, if going to the U version or, or, or finding a creative picture or a catchy image, if all that extra stuff was gone, would you know God's word? I'll be real with you guys. I can't answer that question with a confident yes. Like I'm a pastor. Like literally my job is to study God's word. But if I'm being honest with you guys, there's moments if I was to take all the extras away, I would be in really big trouble. Because I can tell you John 3.16. I can tell you all those verses. I can tell you Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. But if all the extra stuff was gone, could you still share God's word with people? Could you still walk up to somebody and say, hey, listen to this really cool verse. Could you go to your social media and, and, and post a memorable verse with the coffee in the background, the perfect sunset, right? If all the extra stuff was gone, would you still know God's word? Here's what I believe, and I may be wrong, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But there are a lot of people that if all the extra stuff was gone, they'd be in trouble just like me. When's the last time, which I know I'm going to say this, and it's going to like instantly, like instantly... <laughs> Shut you guys down. Because like whenever someone says the word study, you're like, oh my gosh, no. <laughs> like back Satan back, right? So but when's the last time you intentionally tried to study God's word? When's the last time you intentionally sat down, you turned off all the noise, and you spent time in God's word? Last month our focus was sharing scripture, right? And again, I'm not knocking you version, okay? I love you version. Because they can make the most uncreative person <laughs> be the most creative. But how many of the verses that were shared that did you get a notification saying, here's the verse of the day? Again, I'm not knocking that. I did that, okay? But when's the last time you could share a verse without extras, without the help? So why is it important to know God's word? Why are we spending time tonight talking about this? It's a very simple answer to that. And it's the next thing on your notes. God's word gives us direction. God's word gives us direction. If you go to Psalm 119, I won't make you go there, but I'll go there myself. Psalm 119, verse 105, tells us this. It tells us that God's word gives us direction. And it's on your note sheet as well. But in Psalm 119, verse 105, it says this. Your word is a lamp for my feet 
a light on my path. If you want direction in your life, if you want to know where to go, if you want to know how to handle a certain situation, if you want to know how to get through whatever it is, listen, the answer is right here. There is nothing in this life that we go through that surprises God. You know why? Because he's already talked about it in here. If you want to know the kind of person to marry when you get older, it's right in here. He tells you. The Proverbs 31 woman, right? <laughs> Students are like, what's that? <laughs> and, all, all guys, and all of us were like, oh, that's great. But everything that you want to know about, everything that you question about how to get through, it's right here. Even the idea of being bullied. Jesus was bullied. And this is the really cool thing. Do you notice what happened when the devil couldn't win? (laughs) He left. He tried three times, (laughs) trying different things, different approaches, different strategies, and he still couldn't give Jesus the budge. And what happened? He left. So as we bring this to a close tonight, there's a few things I want you to consider. There's a few things that I want us to consider. First thing is this. Do you need to know more of God's word? Tonight's all about being simple. (laughs) Do you need to know more of God's word? If you were to take an honest look and you were to remove all the extra stuff, do you need to know more of God's word? Because here... Here's what Satan wants to do, okay? I'm going to tell you some more of Satan's uh, strategies. Satan wants to intimidate and coerce you and I into a life apart from God. He wants you to be so independent that you're even independent from God. And listen, I love independence, okay? I love doing what I want. I love saying what I want. But if you want true independence, it only comes through a relationship with Jesus. So Satan wants you to live a life apart from God. Satan wants you to make Satan wants to make you feel and me feel. He wants us to second guess the person God created us to be. The other day on my personal social media, I shared this verse and uh it, 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 it was the story of the Tower of Babel. That's a really cool story. If you want to go check it out, I think it's in Genesis chapter eleven. Uh, but these people, they uh, have the desire to build a giant tower uh, to where everyone's in the same place, they, they, everyone is known. Uh, and, and if you go back to Genesis, earlier in Genesis, you see that God commands his people, I think in Genesis chapter 9, God commands his people to go forth and multiply. So you can't go forth and multiply if you're all in the same place. Right? <laughs> Do the math there. So there is nothing wrong with trying to make a name of yourself. We all do it, right? Uh, your parents even say, when you get older, do good things, right? And there's nothing wrong with making a name for yourself. But here's the issue. All of us, we've already been given a name by Jesus. And that's the only name that we need. It doesn't matter what people think about you out there. It matters what God thinks about you. It doesn't matter if you're liked or disliked. God loves you. It doesn't matter what they say about you. God's already told you who you are. Go look. Here's the problem. A lot of us... Whew, I'm getting on fire tonight. A lot of us, we, uh, 
we have the word, right? We have it on our phones. We have it like in a uh, on on the nightstand in our rooms or whatever. So a lot of us we like we have the flashlight, but we don't use it. Psalms told us that it's a light to our path, a light to our feet. So a lot of us have the lamp, but we don't use it. We let it sit and get dusty, and it takes up space. So Satan wants you to second guess who God's created you to be. Satan wants to bully you into being alone and isolated. I've said this before, but the Christian life is not meant to be lived by yourself. That's why God created the church. That's why God brings people together. Because there's things that you go through that you're not that you're not meant to go through it by yourself. There's people that you're meant to lean into when life gets hard. So Satan wants to bully you away from people. And again, Satan tried this with Jesus. <laughs> you, you, y'all, y'all heard that, right? Like, like Satan lost and he left. So do you need to know more of God's word? And here's the next thing. Will you commit to knowing more of God's word? Will you commit? I don't want to hear you say, yes, I'll commit. And then when you go out, go out tonight, you forget about it. No, I'm not, I don't want that. I'm asking you, will you commit to knowing more of God's word? Here's what I believe is that every single person, all of us, no matter what your age is, no matter what your story is, there is always more of God's word to learn. Because here's the cool thing. You can read through a verse and then read through the same verse a week later and have a completely different meaning. It's like the book is always changing. Like God never changes, but like the way it impacts us is so cool. Like we all have our life verse, right? Mine is Jeremiah 29, 11. But in different parts of my life, that verse has meant something different. So every time that you read God's word, you will get something from it. But you have to commit to it. Jesus committed to you and I when he died on the cross. Jesus gave everything for us. I think the least that we can do is commit to learning what his father says. Because his father is your father too. God's word, yes, it was written thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago for people way back when, but it was written just for us today.